This is No Stop Lights with Ken Ard. Thank you for joining us. Another edition of No Stop Lights. I want to thank our sponsors once again, Mickey Fins, Marlboro Pity Electric, Co-op Schofields, Carolina Bank, Pepsi of Florence. Uh, a lot of political discourse in America today, well, a lot. I mean, some of the political discourse in America today revolves around diversity, equity, inclusion. There's a, a story out with the, um, we're talking about Mickey Fins here. They are a, um, an alcohol wholesaler. I don't have any idea what decline they've seen in Bud Light. We know that InBev has admitted the Wall Street Journal had a big expose there over the weekend about the mistakes made, some of the strategy moving moving forward. But to me, the, the main ingredient or central ingredient in InBev making such a bad decision is kind of an overweighting, an overweighting of allowing a certain credentialed person to make certain decisions based on the fact that they're credentialed. Kind of an overrepresentation. We've talked a lot about the executive agencies within our federal government, administrative departments, department heads, um, the percentage of Americans who have Ivy League degrees, and the percentage of administrative agencies within our government that have um, Ivy League degrees. There, there's a bit of a, um, it's not necessarily a disconnect. Uh, you could argue the best and brightest go to the Ivy League institutions. Therefore, um, they should be in charge of major administrative agencies within the government. Um, or you could say the credential class is overrated. Uh, we embellish the value of um, those folks who went to Ivy League schools and I guess Stanford, Vanderbilt, Duke, some of the other non-Ivy League yet prestigious academic institutions would be um, highly regarded. But I remember the moment that I heard that a uh, a Harvard-educated female was put in charge of the Bud Light branding and marketing. I didn't hear that. when, when the, I mean, obviously, they've got no business letting me know, you know, hey, um, Ken, is it okay if we hire, you know, this person to be head of marketing and branding at, um, at Anheuser-Busch, InBev, the parent company? But, but when, I mean, if somebody had asked me that, uh, if before the fact someone from Anheuser-Busch or InBev had said, hey, beer-drinking uh, dude from Pamplico, um, we're thinking about hiring an Ivy League educated female to head up our branding and marketing in in North America. I would have probably said something to the effect of, "Have you lost your damn mind?" But I mean, that doesn't make any sense. But but we we created these worlds. These these uh, they're not fiefdoms, but they're 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 worlds of consequence. A lot of authority, uh, a lot of um, a lot of influence, a lot of ability to sway the debate one way or another, are in the hands of some of these credentialed people. And I'm taking a long time to say that as a former South Carolinian, excuse me, a former South Carolina politician, currently a South Carolinian, always will be a South Carolinian, but I'm a former South Carolina politician. The the South Carolina political class is a little bit like the Ivy League educated credentialed executive. W- what about that lady led you to believe she could market and brand Bud Light? Nothing. I mean, there's absolutely no reason imaginable to put that lady in in that job. She's a female to begin with. What, 78% of all beer drinkers are male. She's an Ivy League-educated um, female. How many Ivy League-educated females drink, you know, domestic beer? Very, very few. But but she was a female. There's inclusion. She was Ivy League-educated. Uh, there, there's the, um, the credentialed necessary. So... 
Tim Scott will announce. I think he did announce today. This this podcast this podcast is being recorded on Monday afternoon for um for delivery on Tuesday around ten or ten thirty uh, a.m. But Tim Scott announces he's running for president of the United States, and you start thinking about a state with nine electoral um, delegates or electoral votes. Um, had eight for a long time. Now nine because of the the growing population. Uh, once again, I'll make a recommendation to the Big Ten commissioner. Instead of playing the Michigan-Ohio State game on alternate campuses, once in Columbus, once in Michigan, once at the Horseshoe, once at the Big House, why don't we just play the Ohio State-Michigan football game along the coast of South Carolina so neither fan base will have to travel any further than 30 or 45 minutes? That's where there can't be anybody left in Michigan or Ohio because they've all moved uh, to the coast of South Carolina. Speaking of South Carolina, why, why am I talking about a female Ivy League-educated branding and marketing director, Dan Iser-Bush? Well, because there's, there, there's, a more, there's more of a sense of value than there really should be. In, uh, and with all due respect, a, a lady that graduated from Harvard. You, 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 we're, we're inclined to believe that she's a female. She graduated from Harvard. She's smart. She's diligent. She's all, you know, uh, obviously bright and articulate and, and, and without question, well-educated. The, the South Carolina politician is a little bit like that, that there's an overvaluing of the South Carolina politician first in the South primary. Um, you know, I'm thinking about some of the, um, some of the recent examples uh, Mark Sanford was was rumored to be a, a likely presidential candidate or at least a, a vice presidential candidate. Uh, Jim DeMint, formerly a South Carolina state senator, or U.S. senator, I'm sorry, uh, went on to run the Heritage Foundation. I mean, he couldn't turn a television on w- without hearing what Jim DeMint had to say about conservative politics. Lindsey Graham, I dare say, could be the most popular politician in America outside of the president. And by, by popular, I mean name, ID, notoriety, famous, all these. Um, uh, I mean, everybody in nearly every state in America knows the name Lindsey Graham. Um, and now you got Nikki Haley, former governor of South Carolina, currently a, uh, excuse me, a presidential candidate. Campaign hadn't gone much of anywhere, but she's a South Carolinian. And, uh, and now you got Tim Scott, former House member, uh, former Charleston County Council member, turned House member. Turned, I'm talking about the House of General Assembly in the state of South Carolina, turned senator by way of, of appointment and, and now a presidential candidate and member of the U.S. Senate. So you got Nikki Haley from South Carolina. You got uh, Tim Scott from South Carolina. You got Lindsey Graham of South Carolina. Uh, you got Henry McMaster, first in the South, endorser of former President Donald Trump. And you got a big South Carolina influence in the Republican primary. So let's take a few minutes and try to dissect. I mean, I'm not a pollster. I'm not a consultant. I'm not a strategist. I'm a former office holder who believes he has a pretty good understanding of where the sentiment of the average American um, voter is. Tracking the 2024 Republican primary. Morning Consult has kind of an interesting poll this morning. Uh, Trump leads DeSantis by 43 points among GOP primary voters. Donald Trump's at 61%. Ron DeSantis at 18%, Mike Pence at 6%, Nikki Haley at 4%, Vivek Ramaswamy at 4%. Now, this doesn't include Tim Scott because he hadn't made his announcement um, yet. Then you got Liz Cheney, Greg Abbott. Tim, yeah, it does have Tim Scott. Tim's at 1%, Aza Hutchinson 1%, Ken 
Christy Noem, and then the um, the proverbial someone else is at about 1%. So let's chew on this data or these numbers for just a second as we head in to Memorial Day weekend because Memorial Day weekend is kind of a um, – it's not the official start of summer, but it's when the summer kind of sort of begins, especially down south, and um, and people begin to check out on some of the normal routine-ish. We host a radio show in the morning 6 to 10 – uh, it's obvious there's a big drop-off in listenership from 6 to 7 in the mornings. Uh, we're not getting anywhere near as many phone calls. Kids are out of school. People are adjusting their routines, that they're calibrating to a summer uh, model. It'll it'll be like this until August when kids go, go back into school. There'll be a lot of traveling, uh, a lot of um, flexible schedules that'll kind of carry the day and rule the roost from now until uh, Labor Day. Uh, you, you live near the coast. I mean, we're kind of, um, we're, we're both blessed and cursed to be near the, the coast of South Carolina. It's, it, it all begins Memorial Day. It all ends Labor Day. Forget what the, the actual seasonal changes are. I mean, that's the summer around here. And you'll have a noted increase in traffic, uh, travel. It's a tourist destination. We're kind of along the way as people head to the coast of South Carolina. Um, they just don't go home as much as they used to. They, um, they come, enjoy it, and stay pitch tent and that's where the, that's where the northern invasion has really taken taken hold but let's go to the 61 percent donald trump 18 percent ron DeSantis. that there's actually a um a tab here um second choices and this is kind of interesting to me now once again mike pence is at six percent he has no chance to win nikki haley's at four percent no chance to win vivek ramaswamy at four percent no chance to win. Liz Cheney, less than 1%, ah, 2%, no chance to win. Greg Abbott had to be announced, no chance to win. Tim Scott recently announced uh, 1%, maybe not a chance to win, but a chance to audition for a place on on the America First platform. Aza Hutchinson running as kind of a uh, protest candidate. You know, Trump's bad, America First, and populism is bad. We need to get back to the good old days of of neoconservatism and a Republican Party more interested in, you know, um, open borders and open trade and all these other um, sorts of things. But I want to dig into this dynamic because we believe that by the end of the week, Ron DeSantis will have announced. And I think DeSantis is smart to announce before Memorial Day because if you announce after Memorial Day, far fewer are interested in that announcement because, once again, the informal beginning of summer. Um, so, yeah, I mean, DeSantis will announce probably – this week, and it's smart on his behalf to not wait until after, until after, um, until after Labor Day. I mean, that's too late to do it, and you don't want to do it in the middle of summer because people aren't paying close attention. So, so I went back and tried to pull some data that I think what will kind of set the table for the primary before we get to Memorial Day. We'll re-engage after Labor Day. I mean, don't 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 get me wrong. There will be politicking. There will be campaigning. Uh, there will be sun fun in some states, and you'll bump into Republican candidates for president of Iowa, New Hampshire, and, and our good old South Carolina. But but I wanted to, I wanted to kind of frame this in a pre-Memorial Day format. Trump's at 61. I don't buy that. DeSantis at 18. I don't buy that. Um, once DeSantis announces, his number goes from 18 to what? I don't know. I would imagine somewhere in the mid-30s, maybe the low 30s. He picks up at least 12 maybe as much as 15 points just by formally announcing that he is now a candidate for president of the United States. If DeSantis goes from 18 to, to let's say, 35, if he doubles his number from 18 to 35, 
I know that isn't exactly doubling. I know exactly doubling will be 36%. We're rounding off here for argument's sake. Um, you don't take that out of Pence. You don't take that out of Haley. You don't take that out of Ramaswamy. You don't take that out of Cheney or Abbott or Scott or Hutchinson or Christy Noem because there ain't enough there. I mean, you got to take it out of Trump. So, so when you look at the second choice of Trump voters, DeSantis is 44%. I mean, nearly half of Trump voters say Ron DeSantis is their second choice. How many Trump voters are saying I'm for Trump, but they're waiting on DeSantis? Now, now once again, are they really, is Ron DeSantis really their second choice, or is Ron DeSantis their first choice, but he hadn't announced yet? So, so you see what I'm saying? I mean, I think the 18 is a bogus number. I think the 61 is a bogus number. I think Donald Trump's, um, you know, uh, the people that run his campaign will tell you 61 is a bogus number. And you, you got to believe if you're DeSantis that there's a big bump headed your way once you formally announce this. The second choice of DeSantis voters for Trump is 43%. That's, that's kind of interesting to me. So, so I mean, that, that number tells me another interesting nugget. You know who the third choice is of Trump voters? Ron DeSantis. I mean, excuse me, um, Vivek Ramaswamy. You knew the third choice of DeSantis voters is Nikki Haley. I mean, there, there's a little bit of establishment there. The, the Trump team has tried to argue that DeSantis is not to be trusted because he's an establishment figure. I mean, he's, he's being sold to the American, or really the Republican primary voter, as, a, uh, as an America firster, but he's absolutely not. And, and that's kind of interesting that Trump's third, Trump, the Trump voters' third choice is Vivek Ramaswamy, the DeSantis voters' third choice is Nikki Haley. There is a little more of an establishment influence there. Um, but but I would imagine that once De- DeSantis announces, once they uh, form a campaign, once they have um, chairs and co-chairs in all these states, Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina in particular, this race gets probably closer to 45-35. 45 Trump, 35 DeSantis. Um, I mean, it doesn't affect Pence. I mean, I think Pence will always be less than 10. I mean, he's at 6% now. What can Mike Pence do to increase his numbers by 100%? I mean, there's nothing he can do. He can't get to 12%. Nikki Haley is at 4%. And I think the one thing Nikki's tried to do that you just can't do is have it both ways. You, you can't have it both ways with the Trump uh, voter. You, you might, we, we don't have enough history on the DeSantis voter. Can you have it both both ways with the DeSantis voter? And I think what DeSantis does, you've got this linear graph, and we talked a lot about linear graphs. You've got this linear graph, and on one end is Donald Trump, and on the other is something. Give me uh, Liz Cheney. I mean, there's not not just no love loss between the two; they're ideological differences. Liz Cheney would be ideologically a neoconservative. Donald Trump would be, if there's an ideology, it is America first. Uh, totally different stances on trade, on immigration, on China, on globalism in general. And and Nikki Haley was the first candidate that the establishment shopped to the Republican primary voter. It was kind of a test balloon. You know, can we sell Nikki Haley as a conservative and an America first candidate? And I just don't think you can do that. And, and I'll tell you, coming out of the gate, Ron DeSantis has to declare himself an America first candidate. He's not going to be as America first as Donald Trump. I mean, Donald Trump is the um, the godfather 
of America first. But Ron DeSantis, I mean, you, you look at he's got a body of work. I mean, there, there's a there's a, a a track record there. There's a history there of effective governance. Uh, it's in your face. It's combative. It's confrontational. The Republican primary voter seems to like that right now. And, and I'm I'm trying to talk myself into believing that there's somebody other than Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis that could potentially be the Republican nominee in 2024, and there's just not. I mean, they, Chris Christie is, you know, may or may not announce. Well, it doesn't matter. I mean, where does Christie go? I mean, if Trump's, if 44% of Trump voters have DeSantis as their second choice and 43% of DeSantis voters have Trump as their second choice, I mean, that's, that's nearly everyone. I mean, that's, that's about 75% of the Republican primary voter waiting on DeSantis. And once again, 61-18, that, that, that's not accurate. I mean, that, that's a morning consult number. And the only reason I looked at the morning consult number, they got a couple of subgraphs uh, here or, or kind of uh, tabs to the side, trend over time, second choices, hypothetical general election matchup, candidate favorability, uh, I, I said something this morning, I actually wrote it down to make sure we repeated it today, that um, that a lot of this will come down to uh, the Republican primary voter having to make a calculus. Um, are you willing or is it reasonable to have a 60% chance to get 75% of what you want or a 40% chance to get 100% of what you want? The Trump voter wants Trump, damn it. I mean, they want Donald Trump. They don't want Ron DeSantis, but but will they at some point in time of the next year accept, uh, you know, a lesser America first, a 75% America first agenda? Uh, the, the, once again, this DeSantis is unproven. We don't know. The mistake that Nikki made, in my humble opinion, was trying to have it both ways. I've got a foot in America first, and I've got a foot in neoconservative land, and I'm going to, I'm a good enough and true enough politician that I can pull it off. And, and maybe it's a little bit insulting to the Trump voter to, 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 to lead them to believe that you're one of them and, and also, you know, go to New York City to Wall Street and try to convince them, you know, you're one of them. I, I, don't, I never understood. I mean, you, you, I understand the ego of a politician. I mean, I'm a former politician still with, with an ego. You believe you can talk anybody into, into anything because normally you can. But when Nikki tried to have you know, a foot in this camp and a foot in that camp. I mean, that that's a big stride. I mean, th- there's a big stride from here to there. And I just knew to begin with, as talented as I think Nikki Haley is on the campaign trail, as unique as she is as a Republican presidential candidate, I mean, she embodies the diversity. She's a, um, a Southern governor, uh, uh, a female of Indian descent. But there are a lot of things there that, that we have um, looked for in, in primary, excuse me, in Republican candidates over the uh, over the years, you got Tim Scott now, an African American. Tim will, will will be much more likable than Nikki. I'm not saying Tim's a better dude than she is a lady. I'm just saying Tim will come off a much more as a much more likable um, candidate. But but it seems to me that outside of Mike Pence, outside of Asa Hutchinson, outside of Liz Cheney, I mean Cheney won't. Ah, uh, maybe she announced this for the hell of it, just to be uh, kind of a um a thorn in the side of America first. But, but there's no way for Liz Cheney to get to, to 10%. I mean, there, there's no way for Nikki Haley to get 10%. There's no way for uh, Christy Noam to get to 10%. When you look at the number and then you see the second choice number, 
and you realize that the DeSantis voter is committed to DeSantis, but they'll vote for Trump. The Trump voters committed to uh, Trump, but they'll vote for for DeSantis. They may go for Vivek Ramaswamy, but that may be as far down the road as they go. The DeSantis voter is going to be a little more establishment-oriented. I didn't say an establishment voter. I didn't say he's a um, a sheep in, in wolf's clothing. I'm not suggesting that for a second. He'll formulate his own game plan and his own campaign and agenda as he announces as he moves forward. But it looks to me like that pre-Memorial Day, we've got a two-horse race for the Republican primary. Donald Trump is somewhere around 42, 43, 44%. Ron DeSantis is somewhere around 32, 33, 34%. Uh, and that is, um, that's a two-horse race. Uh, will Christie get in? Doesn't matter. Will Cheney get in? It doesn't matter. I mean, I guess uh, I've said this a hundred times. Why not get in? I mean, what do you have to lose to be a former presidential candidate? You want a gig to teach political science at Harvard? I mean, would you rather be a former governor of New Jersey or a former, you know, two-time presidential candidate? The only the only thing that Christie has to worry about, Haley has to worry about, I mean, Cheney doesn't because she's done. But but if you're somebody that has had somewhat of a successful political career in the Republican Party, you don't want to make a fool of yourself. I mean, you don't, you don't want to go in and gain no traction and, and, and go to Iowa and go to New Hampshire and just get embarrassed. I mean, you know, they'll drop out before they come to South Carolina. But if you go to Iowa and, and you know, you just don't resonate at all, you go to New Hampshire, don't resonate at all, take a former governor of South Carolina, a former governor of Arkansas, a former uh, congresswoman from, from Wyoming whose father was, you know, a, um, a vice president. I mean, you just don't want to tarnish the brand. You don't want to damage the brand or image. Now, you know, I, I'll say this. There's a lane for Tim to get to 10. I'm not sure I know what lane it is, but Tim's a likable guy, and he's going to run a campaign on optimism. You know, the American dream. Uh, he, he'll, he's got a very compelling life story, and his life story will be, it, it's not tainted. Nikki's life story is tainted now. I mean, there's still a life story there, but, but the life story includes ambassador to the United Nations, you know, um, running in circles that outsiders just don't run in. And I'm talking about Wall Street and, and, and Conservative Inc. and the Republican Party or the Republican uh, Party donor class. I mean, she, she kind of ran in that circle. And I'm not saying, I mean, I guess you have to run in that circle when you're running for president, but you do tarnish your image. You, you tarnish your brand as an outsider, small town, South Carolina. I think Tim can really say that in a relatable way. So, so of all the candidates not named Donald Trump, not named Ron DeSantis, the only two that I think could potentially get in double figures, I, I don't want to say Pence can't. I mean, a former vice president, th- 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 there's some cachet there. I mean, there, there's a little swagger with being a former, a former VP. But, but once again, heading into Memorial Day, you, you've got, I think, four candidates with a chance to get north of 10%. Two are obvious. Donald Trump will be probably in the low to mid-40s. Ron DeSantis will probably be in the low to mid-30s. I mean, that's where the horse race is. But then you've got Tim Scott. Can he gain some traction? I think he can. He ain't getting to 30. I mean, there's no conceivable path forward to him getting uh, to the nomination, but he could be auditioning for a cabinet spot or, or maybe a place on, on the ticket. And the other is Vivek Ramaswamy. 
And the reason I think Vivek Ramaswamy and Tim Scott will resonate with a certain percentage of our electorate is we've always said we need inspiring minorities. We need inspiring people who aren't stale, pale, and male. Tim Scott is not stale, pale, and male. Vivek Ramaswamy are not stale, pale, and male, um, I, I guess, by definition. Um, Trump is stale, pale, and male. Um, DeSantis is stale, pale, and male. Well, let me say this. DeSantis and Trump are pale and male. I don't think they're stale. The, the staleness would be in the, in the neoconservative movement of days gone by that the Liz Cheney's of the world have tried to convince you is our path forward, is the future of the Republican Party. Chris Christie will do some of that. Asa Hutchinson will do some of that. And I predict it falls on deaf ears. And when I saw the, um, the second choice number, I mean, it convinced me more than I've ever been convinced that this primary is all about Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. And for those who believe it's a coronation, it's inevitable. And I guess Trump's messaging now is, you know, it's inevitable. I mean, I'm going to be the Republican nominee. Uh, what does Lee Corso say on game day? Not so fast. I do think there is a, um, I think there's an eventuality that we get to a hotly contested Republican primary. I mean, you know, if gun to head, um, who wins? Uh, it's still Trump. I mean, I think Trump's still the odds on favorite, but I do think Ron DeSantis will run a very respectful campaign. Um, he's not announced. It's easy to say what he's not when he's not announced, but once he um, coalesces around a message, once they um, get some uh, uh, leadership in some of these uh, said in several states, I think you know they'll do a good enough job of reminding America how you know good a governor Ron DeSantis was in the name of conservative politics, in the name of America first, in the name of taking on wokeism, in the name of taking on political correctness and and corporate America, you know, the cabal that a lot of us believe exists between big, bad corporate America and um and kind of inside politics, that, that revolving door of the Fed, corporate America, and our government policy um, that has disadvantaged many people who came to the dance to vote for um to vote for Donald Trump. So 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 as we I mean we'll do one other podcast before Memorial Day. But I felt it important that we kind of give a lay of the land. Uh, I actually reached out to our good buddy Robert Cahaley of Trafalgar and see, uh, trying try to get him to come in and give a more. I mean, he is a consultant. He is a strategist. He is a pollster. I'm, I'm none of that. But, but I'm a guy who's put his name on the ballot a lot of times and been successful every time and gained the support of the electorate. And I just think the electorate will be very interested in Tim Scott and what he has to say. I think the electorate will be very interested and, and have been very interested in Vivek Ramaswamy and what he has to say. But at the end of the day, they would rather have uh, Ron DeSantis or Donald Trump taking on Joe Biden. And, and I'll tell you, DeSantis will probably do a good job of reminding primary voters, you know, do you want a 78 and an 81-year-old? Or do you want a 70, or excuse me, an 81-year-old and a 44, 45, 46-year-old? Uh, and I think that hand plays well. And, and, I, and I hear the rumors you know, that DeSantis, the wheels have come off the campaign. I mean, the wheels had not come off the campaign because they've never put together a campaign. They, they, they will launch a campaign. He's a competent guy. Uh, probably not as, uh, I mean, the personality obviously is not the same of Donald Trump, uh, but Donald Trump is a political, you know, unicorn. I mean, the candidates like that don't come along, but but every so often. But, um, but, but we'll begin to frame this. I'm not saying people will completely and totally check out the donor class will stay involved, but the majority of Americans, uh, when, when kids get out of school, when the summer begins, and I always look at the, um, the NASCAR race in Charlotte, the Indianapolis 500, 
that that's kind of the beginning of summer. Uh, people's schedules once again become a lot more flexible and um, and and not as committed to the grind of routine. And um, and I just wanted to make sure we kind of um eh, we we laid a scenario out there that we believe is somewhat believable. Liz Cheney zero chance. Um, Greg Abbott zero chance. Tim Scott eh, zero chance to win, but a chance to make a name for himself and get over. That would be my benchmark. I mean, if if uh, if the if we're right and DeSantis gets in by the end of the week, my benchmark is ten percent. I mean, if I'm Tim Scott, if I'm Nikki Haley, if I'm Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, I mean, I, 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 you know, the others don't have a chance because there there's too few in 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 the Republican primary today that consider themselves loyal to the cause of neoconservatism. So so let's keep our eye on Haley, let's keep our eye on Scott, let's keep our eye on uh, Ramaswamy. And we'll be forced to keep our eye on Trump and DeSantis because everybody else will be force-feeding us um, that narrative, that debate. I predict, once again, in closing, that when we gather together again uh, around Labor Day, you'll have Donald Trump somewhere in the low to mid-40s, Ron DeSantis somewhere in the mid-30s. I'll be very interested to see if either Tim Scott, Nikki Haley, Mike Pence, or Vivek Ramaswamy have been able to get north of of 10%. That that will probably be as interesting because they'll be, I mean, I can't imagine Trump picking DeSantis to be his VP. I mean, there's no way Trump plays second fiddle to anybody. So you can forget if DeSantis wins the primary and, and gains the nomination. I mean, there's no way he asked, hey, Donald, would you be my, you know, would you be my number two man? I mean, Donald's nobody's wingman. He's either going to be the pilot or, or nothing. And, um, and obviously Pence being an older guy, that's what Haley Ramaswamy and Tim Scott are, um, I don't want to say auditioning for, because they think they've got things to contribute to the discourse. Um, and, and I think Tim's message will resonate. It will be that of optimism. If I can do this in America, despite all of its flaws and fallacies and problems, then anybody, anybody um, certainly can. I want to thank our sponsors. Carolina Bank serves communities throughout Northeastern South Carolina, offering a wide range of services to meet every personal or business need from straightforward accounts to complex finances. They're prepared to help you reach your financial goals. Carolina Bank, banking on tradition since 1936. Member FDIC Schofields, Ace Hardware, your one-stop shop for all hardware, paint and lawn and garden needs, plus all things sporting goods, including firearms, safes, clothing, footwear, and more. Pepsi of Florence represent the entire product line of PepsiCo, one of the world's leading Food and beverage companies, Pepsi of Florence, also serve brands from other great companies such as Dr. Pepper, Canada Dry, Lipton Tea, Gatorade, and various regional brands. Mickey Finn's, largest South Carolina liquor wholesaler, serving every county in the state, largest bourbon selection statewide. They ship wines to 43 states, opening soon a new beverage warehouse across from Bucky's on I-95 in Florence. They support USC athletics, including... Williams, Bryce, and Colonial Life Arena. Marlboro PD Electric Co-op. If you're in big business and looking for an industrial park in the south to build your new plant, consider Marlboro PD Electric Co-op's new PD Commerce Center. Uh, an industrial park located at the I-95 exit in Florence, South Carolina. Check it out at mpdcoop or pdec.com. <laughs> 